scripture reading this morning is the third psalm, psalms number three, psalms number three, beginning at verse one. This is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. You remember his son Absalom was sent, was, uh, came to kill him. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord in my voice, with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek bone, and thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. And that word Selah means to stop, to hesitate. To consider thy blessings is upon thy people Selah our Lord said to Peter when Peter declared that he is the son of the living God when the Lord asked Peter who do you say that I am Peter said why thou art the son of the living God and he told Peter he said he said flesh and blood had not revealed that unto you but my father which is in heaven and then he says this, speaking of what Peter declared the Lord to be, the Son of the living God, upon that rock, upon the fact of who Jesus is, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What peace, what comfort we have, knowing that those gates of hell are rising up as they did, as just, just as... Uh, Absalom rose up against his own father, just as what we just read uh, of David in the psalm, what he wrote. What a solid rock. It can't get any more solid than that, folks. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1? 1 John. All the way back there by Peter, 1 and 2 Peter. I want to bring a message this morning that I hope you're listening this morning for the first time. God has given you ears for the first time ever to hear his word. Ears of the heart. I hope this is a message that will convict you. I hope it's a message that will grab a hold of that heart that the Lord may use to cut away that old stony heart that said, I will not have the God of Scriptures to rule over me. I also pray, as we saw in our Friday night Bible study, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith the Lord. 
I pray that this will be a message that brings great comfort to you who have heard. You may have heard it less than an hour ago. And something has crossed your mind in that little short period of time and troubled you. Or something may be going on in your life that helps you not to impede upon your concentration of who our Lord is. So maybe the Lord will use this message to comfort you. Only he can, you know. We were talking about that in between services, Brother Mike and I. Friend of his is a counselor to those who are getting close to dying. We call it hospice. How can you bring comfort to somebody who knows not God? You can't. But God can give us the words that he might comfort somebody with. That makes you, you know what I mean by that? You understand what I mean by that? Maybe God will give me the words this morning to comfort those who have never heard. In Hebrews 4.12, it says our Lord's word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. This is, this is giving you a picture now of a sword, the word of God being a sword, a two-edged one. And it cuts so deeply that it cuts into the joints and the marrow of your bones. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I wish to bring a message that would bring conviction of our standing before a thrice holy God. A warning, as Noah did. What did Noah do? Noah went about preaching the righteousness of Christ. The only righteousness there is, and that is in Christ the Savior. And Christ the Savior was going to come and judge the world. God Almighty was going to judge the world. It's going to rain. What? What is that? We've never heard of rain before. We've never seen it. I hope this message today is as Noah's. The wrath of God is coming. Yet the wrath has come for some. Noah went about preaching it was coming. I'm here to tell you that for some, that wrath has already come. A message that brings peace to the hearts of those whose judgment and condemnation has been satisfied by our substitute. Here in 1 John chapter 1, look with me if you would, beginning at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, we lie to ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess, if we admit our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, verse 10, that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, I've, I've never asked you to confess your sins. I don't want to hear your sins. It does absolutely no good for you to go and confess your sins to a man. 
They can't do anything for you. And I'm not going to confess my sins to you. I'm ashamed of them. And you can't do anything for me. But I'll tell you this. Every sin listed in this book, everything about sin that is listed in this book, the fall of Adam, where this book begins, in the beginning that God created the world and Adam fell, every sin that is talked about in this book applies to me. And that's what confessing our sins is. Confessing what we are before God. And John, why do you always, how come you always got to bring that up? Folks, if you don't understand sin, you can't understand grace. If I, didn't, if I couldn't comprehend the depth of my sin, then how am I going to see the magnificence, the magnitude of his graciousness to me? How am I going to understand the depth of my Lord's love for me and giving himself for me and shedding his blood for me if I don't understand what it is he shed his blood for? Why do I always got to talk about sin? Because that's where you got to begin. That's what salvation is all about. If you don't need a Savior, then who's Jesus to you? Who's the Lord to you? He's nobody. I share that with you because of this. Maybe, just maybe, there's someone here today, either here or online, who don't know their depth of sin. How are you going to know about the one we call Jesus if I don't tell you what he came to this world to do? If I don't share with you what he laid down his life for? People love to talk about a Jesus who loves. They love to tell you that Jesus loves his creation, everything in it, although scriptures tell us differently. They love to tell you about all the love of Jesus. He's so, he's so precious. He's so humble. He's so meek. And he is all those things. But why? Why? Because people need saving. You may not, but I do. And if you're one who's been saved by him, this is what brings us comfort through all the trials. We talked about this in Bible study. He had to, he had to, he had to come and show that he has all power. He had to, he had to be made a man and shown that he has all power in heaven and earth. And under the earth. And he did. He not only told everybody that he did. He showed them that he did. Through all the miracles that he did. How are you going to know? How are you going to cry out for the Lord's mercy? How is he going to break your heart? Unless you know what sin is all about. And the depth of it. Unless you know that you have sinned against God. I found it interesting that, you know, in David, when writing this in the Psalms, after Naaman came to, to him and said, you know, 
there's this guy who did this. And David got all angry and he says, you're that guy who did it. And David was convicted of his sin with Bathsheba. I find it interesting that he went into his closet, private, whatever, and he cried into the Lord and he says, I have sinned against you. What about Bathsheba's husband? He sent him down to the front line to get killed, didn't he? He had, he had an intimate relationship with Bathsheba while she was married to another man, got her pregnant. What about her? Did he not sin against her too? But his cry was, Lord, I have sinned. Not one, but sinned as in multiple sins against you. My flesh is full of filth and brokenness. My thoughts are filled with wickedness. My strength indeed is small. The prophet Isaiah, now think about this. Isaiah was like Paul in the Old Testament. Paul says, Oh wretched man that I am. Isaiah says it this way. <clears throat> Chapter 6, verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. The Lord used Isaiah and quoted Isaiah more times in the New Testament than any other prophet. Used by Isaiah in great, great ways, yet Isaiah himself said, Woe is me, for I'm an undone, for I'm undone, because I'm a man with unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The psalmist puts it this way. Are you still marked in Psalms number three there? Let's read that again, but before you do, I want to have you mark your place there in 1 John and turn over to Psalms 3. This man, David, a man after God's own heart, a man chosen from before the foundations of the world, a man that was loved of God with an everlasting love, a vessel of God's mercy, a just man was no different than any other mortal man to walk this earth. Troubled with weakness of this flesh as you and I are. You know, many of people, they like to put their pastor up on a pedestal. I've seen Pastor Gene. I've seen people do that to him. I've had to be very careful not to do that with my own heart. I love the man dearly. Don Fortner, his biggest regret of this world was all of those around the world who put him up on such a high pedestal. A pedestal he never deserved. There's only one who deserves to be put on a pedestal, folks. That's our Savior. He's the only one who's ever earned it, deserved it. He will have it. And if you're his, you will put him up on that pedestal. He'll be like the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up for all the people to look at. In your heart, you will raise him up if you belong to him. As you read these words in the Psalms, keep in mind our most formidable foe. You think of, you know, David's writing here about his son. He's writing about those around him. Remember, Saul chased after David for years. 
David had a lot of enemies. Why? He never did anything really wrong to anybody else. He was always just being a nice guy. For some reason, when he beat, when he uh, conquered people in the battles that he fought, everybody came and David and his ten thousands. Saul was the king. Saul just got jealous of him. That's all it was. His son, Absalom, all he wanted was the power that his daddy had. So David really never did anything deserving of what people looked at him, but people hated David all around. Our most formidable foe, though, even though David had many enemies, our most burdensome enemy is the flesh that you and I walk in. Listen to these words, Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember that. Read this psalm. But we wrestle against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. Those are all things inside of us. Inside of the very body that we walk in. Inside of the very mind that we think with. Now, with that in mind, look with me at Psalm number 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Were you ever troubled by your sin before the Lord called you out of darkness? Has the Lord troubled you with your sin? is a better question. I'm not talking about, well, what I used to think. I used to, you know, I used to have thoughts go through my mind, but I don't anymore. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about things that go through your mind right now. Right now where you're sitting, right here. Right now where I'm standing, right now. How they are, how are they increased? That trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, Have you ever felt this? Has this, has this word ever got a hold of you? Many of these say of my soul, There is no help for you and God. Have you ever cried out, Lord, where are you? How could you let me go through this? How can I be going through this trouble within me? Where are you, Lord? Do you care about me? Isn't that what his disciples said that day on the ship when the, when the waves were smashing up against him? How can you sleep? Don't you care about us? Don't you love us? Verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Notice David still calls him, Oh Lord. <coughs> David still has that small little mustard grain of faith that says, He's my Lord. Despite what I'm feeling right now, despite what's going on around me in my life, despite what's trying to kill me from outside and from within, He's still my Lord. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and lifter up of mine head. The one who's going to lift me up out of this danger that I walk through is him and him alone. I can't do it myself. 
I have no strength in this flesh to do so. Verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I waked, and the Lord sustained me. The very fact that I didn't die in my sleep last night is because of the one who is Lord. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, and save me. Where does he call for salvation? The very one who saves the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, arise, O Lord. Save me, my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek. How? By sending his son to take our enemies upon himself. He who knew no sin was made our sin. What greater enemy do we have than the sin that dwells within us, the sin that besets us? Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessings is upon thy people. Remember the demoniac man of Gadaria? Gadara? Remember he had legions? You know what a legion is? A legion is four to six thousand men. And the Bible tells us that that Gadaria, that, that, that demoniac man, had legions. Think about that. What have we got within ourselves? Oh, the, the demons that dwell within our members. Back in our text, in 1 John, it says, If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. Now look at verse 9 again, if you would, with me. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, how? How? How can I be cleansed from all this wickedness, these legions of demons that dwell within this flesh? All the wickedness that I see when I look in the mirror. Look over at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, 1 John chapter 4, chapter 1. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In him is no darkness. That's, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. In him, in Christ. In God is no darkness. This is speaking of Christ Jesus. In the second chapter of 1 Peter, we read in verse 22 and 23, we read this, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. In God is the key in Christ. Listen to these verses. I've, I've wrote down several, so I'm just going to read them for you. If you'd like to take a pen, 
and write them down sometime and, and read them for yourselves. So I'll begin in verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. You know what that means, right? That means, it, that means there's nothing to condemn you for. You can't be condemned. There's nothing to condemn you for. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ. What's the key? What's the key to our Lord saving us, looking upon us as righteous as himself? is to be in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's the war right there. The flesh and the Spirit. God give us the opportunity, give us the ability, not opportunity, the ability to walk after the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 2, we read this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What did the law of sin and death, what, what did it do? It condemned us. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single man and woman and child, even your grandmother, has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yet for those who are in Christ Jesus, according to verse 1, there is no condemnation. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified, that means made holy, that means set apart, those who were taken apart from the world of religion and brought into the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are given the, the knowledge of who Jesus is according to scriptures, Sanctified, set apart in Jesus, called to be saints with all that are in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, both theirs and ours. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, we read this, but of him, but of God. Remember we talked a little bit ago, I mentioned that, that uh, Peter, the Lord had asked him, who do you say that I am? When we started, after we had sang the song, who do you say that I am? Remember that? But of him. Of God. Flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you, Peter. Flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you, dear folks. Flesh and blood have not revealed this. I know a guy stood up in front of me and preached, but it wasn't him talking to the heart. Only God can talk to the hearts of, of his people. But of him are ye in Christ. But of, I'm sorry, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. That means God has made his son, the Lord Jesus, our wisdom. We must be taught of God. Isn't that what scripture says? He has made his son wisdom unto you and I. That wisdom of God, of Jesus Christ, allowing himself to be crucified, laying down his life for you and I, that's foolishness to the world. The world says, i got to be able to do something. Pinch me. See, I'm alive. I can do something, can't I? Can I come down and make a decision? Can I get in the baptismal? Can I come to the table? And the Lord says, no. That's not it at all. Only Jesus saves. Nothing else can. He's our wisdom. He's our righteousness. 
Only God convict, can convict a person of their sin to the point where they know there is nothing in them worthy of any merit to win favor with God. Only through His Son, the Lord Jesus. He is our sanctification, our holiness, and He is our redemption. And this is all made to us by God Himself. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus. John 17, verse 20 through 23. Listen to this. This is the Lord speaking Himself. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, speaking of those that He was praying for right there with, uh, in the world that He was walking in, but for them which also which shall believe on me through their word. Those who will come later on after the Lord has left this world, after he has hung on that cross and shed his blood for his people and gone on to be with his Father in heaven, those who will hear the words of his ministers at that time, neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us. There we go. We see the key again. What's the key to salvation? What's the key to not walking in darkness? Being in Christ. Well, how do I be in Christ? If God has made you a vessel of mercy, that's how. They may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Those who are in God will have the light of God dwelling in them. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, we read these words, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, this is that one who has no darkness in him, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the very one that we read about in verse 5 of John chapter 1. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. It says... God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There you go. Whoo! Those who are not in God, those who are not in God will spend eternity never able, always coming up short of the glory of God. The God... Turn over to John chapter 3. Continue to mark your spot here in uh, 1 John. Look over at John chapter 3. The world loves to use this verse 16 and stop right there. Have you ever asked somebody, how do you know Jesus loves you? You know, you see people walking around, they got bumper stickers on their car, Jesus loves you. Have you ever stopped and asked anybody? I have. One time I was walking, we were in Sturgis, South Dakota, on a motorcycle run. And some people, some Christian, so-called Christian folks were standing on the corner doing their ministry to, to the, all the bikers. And uh, Jesus loves you, passing around. Jesus loves you. I stopped, walked back. How do you know Jesus loves me? For God so loved the world. Let me tell you something. 
If God loves the whole world, the whole world will be saved. If he's not, then your God is a failure. This God, the very God spoken of in this scriptures, is not a failure. Those for whom he loves, he shall save. Period. Here in John chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever, the whosoever, that means there's some who won't. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son, verse 17, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Light has come into the world, and the world rejects the light of truth. It is our nature to reject that light, because that light reproves our evil wickedness within us. When Adam fell, all of mankind fell in him, and we love the lie of I. We love the lie of I. The lie that I am the decider of my destiny. The lie that I have the will to do right or wrong. The lie that I know good from evil and will choose to do as I please. Folks, if I am left to my own choice, I will choose evil. You say, oh, what kind of man are you that would stand before people and say that? A sinner. A sinner. A sinner who's saved by grace and grace alone. It is our nature to put ourselves in a place of gods. That's what the devil said. You'll be as gods. When Adam ate of that apple, from that moment on, all mankind places themselves as gods. John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner to declare the coming of this light. Look over at John chapter 1. Turn to the left, just one page, two pages. In chapter 1, verse 6, we read, There was a man sent of God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. John was not that light. He was not that light, it says, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm shining the light of comfort. I'm declaring... The word of God, the light of comfort to his people, and the light of a Savior to those who've never heard. In the 8th chapter of John, verse 12, we read these words, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Folks, what we just established through all that we have just said, and we'll wrap this up, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, 
God in the flesh is the very one spoken of in our text in John chapter 1 and 1 John. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And we've seen by several verses, and there's more than that. We don't have time to go through all the scriptures, old and new, and see where the Lord refers to his people being in him. Those who were chosen in him from before the foundation of the world, as it says in Ephesians 1. Those who are in him when he went to the cross. Did you know you were in the Lord Jesus Christ when he went to that cross? You've been in the you have been in the Lord Jesus Christ since before the world was. Everything created was so that you would be exactly where you are right now, and God would be talking to you through his word as he is right now. This is what it is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words from John chapter 10. The Lord speaking to some unbelieving Jews who said, How long do you cause us to doubt? He says, I told you who I am. I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. This is what it is to be in Christ. It's to be one of his sheep. You don't get to decide if you're one of his sheep. You either are or you're not. You're either a vessel who's been created unto mercy, or you're a vessel who's been created unto condemnation. You believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This is what it is to be in Christ, folks. This is what it is to, to walk in that light. This is what it is to have no darkness in you. What? Are you saying that I'm righteous? If you're in Christ, you're righteous. Are you saying that there's no sin in me? Christ saying that your sins are paid for in him. He's saying that he was made sin for you. That you would be made righteous. This is the whole key to that. Being in Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. If you're one who's never heard the word of God in truth and the Lord is speaking to your heart for the first time today, then you're sitting there thinking, oh, you mean I don't have to work anymore? I don't have to try? No, you're going to try. You're still going to try. God will lead you to that. But he's done it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. This is what it is to be in him. We are in Christ before the world was made. As the great three in one made an everlasting covenant agreement. God the Father would give his people a son. God the Son shall redeem these people unto the Father, and God the Spirit will give life and call each one in the day of his love. We are in Christ when he walked this earth. We were in Christ when he died and went to the grave. We were in Christ when he arose from death, a victor over death. And we are in Christ right now as he sits on his throne 
of glory, making intercessions for you and I, preserving us in himself to be revealed in that last day. Oh, what a blessed hope it is to be in Christ. Folks, we have a good hope, a hope and a surety in the light where there is no darkness. God looks upon his chosen people as we are as holy as his son. I confess that I'm a sinner deserving of his wrath to come, yet my lawyer, he who is just and justifier of his people, my lawyer says he paid my price. He received my condemnation. That's why we read in Romans 8.1, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. He has redeemed me. He has bought me with his own blood. I belong to him. Back in our text in 1 John chapter 1, look at verses 8 and 10 together. Skip over 9. I just want you to read 8 and 10. Look at those words once more if you would. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you say that I'm saved and I don't sin anymore, you deceive yourself. There's a lot of Christians who believe that. Verse 10, if you say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and he, the word is not in us. Now look over at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we'll close with 4, four through 7. And these things write we unto you, that your joy, our joy, may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. What is it to walk in the light? It is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ according to his word. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That's his word. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, through belief, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest man should boast. Folks, don't take this wrong. I'm not giving you any kind of okay to go out and sin. You know, if you're a child of God, that it's not okay. Every time you think a thought, every time you do something that you know is a sin against God, if you belong to Him, You'll be on your knees asking for forgiveness. I remember a time when it didn't bother me. I could lie to the IRS and it didn't bother me at all. And much, much more. And it wouldn't bother me one bit. Belonging to God has caused me to desire to walk according to his will. Belonging to the Lord Jesus and knowing what he has done for us 
causes, knowing the love that he has for you and I, causes us to love him. Causes us to want, to desire, in the new spirit, the spirit of life, to walk according to his will. That's walking in the light. Loving him because he first loved us. Amen.